Welcome to Vet Talk with Dr. Silver, sponsored by RX Vitamins for Pets. For over 20 years, RX Vitamins for Pets has been providing leading edge, condition specific nutraceutical formulas for veterinary professionals around the world. You can learn more by visiting rxvitamins.com or you can give them a call at 1 800 792 2222. Hello, and welcome to Vet Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Silver, and I'm very excited today for the opportunity to speak directly with veterinary professionals from around the world who are experts in the webinar topic that I provided just last night to veterinarians on renal disease and its relationship to vitamin D levels. Today's show, we're talking with Randy Ringgold, the founder and director of VDI Labs, who has provided a cutting-edge vitamin D testing system and who has funded multiple studies at academic institutions supporting the reference ranges and the impact that vitamin D level can have on a variety of different diseases. Let me tell you a little bit about Randy. He's a a UCLA-trained clinical chemist with over 35 years in the diagnostic industry. He held a senior position in human medicine with Baxter Healthcare and Quest Diagnostics before starting VDI Labs 12 years ago. He currently holds over 20 patents in both veterinary and human diagnostics and has published white papers in the field of laboratory robotics, vitamin D metabolism, Crohn's disease, and ulcerative colitis, and cancer diagnostics. Randy was also behind NT Pro BNP, which VDI originally launched as CardioCare, but after selling it to IDEX is now known as CardioPet. So Randy, welcome today. A lot of interesting stuff to cover here. Tell me, what was what was it that got your your interest in veterinary? Because you've spent so much time, you know, with human diagnostics. What brought you over to our side? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good good question. So, yeah, my my career, many years of it, has been on the human side. I uh, spent quite a few time years at uh, the Nichols Institute of Quest Diagnostics, which, if anybody's familiar with it, is the esoteric division, which is all the specialty stuff. And if you look at human diagnostics, it's just got tons and tons of specialty markers that physicians have access to to help improve diagnostics. And through a colleague that was involved in the veterinary side of the world, um, he sort of exposed me to veterinary medicine because Quest Diagnostics doesn't do veterinary testing at all. And I got uh, sort of a, a view of the fact that at that time, this is, you know, when I started looking into this was in the late 90s that there wasn't really very many biomarkers uh, on the veterinary. I mean, you basically had uh, routine chems and CBCs and the veterinarian had to do everything with that. Uh, so uh, I felt that this would be a good opportunity to take a lot of my expertise to help bring more advanced biomarkers and uh, test diagnostics to help veterinarians in the management of their uh, companion animals. Nice. Well, we're certainly glad you did because I personally have found your vitamin D testing to be extremely valuable clinically. Um, and, um, you know, I, a lot of veterinarians, myself included, had always thought about vitamin D as perhaps being, you know, super toxic and we were always nervous about getting involved in it. And I think a lot of the work that you've done has kind of tempered that because we now have some very good testing systems and we've been able to, thank you and for, the, for your 
for your um, test development. And, um, and we're able to see more clearly that um, it really takes fairly substantially high levels of vitamin D for a considerable period of time in order to really develop toxicity. Um, you've developed quite a database as well, haven't you, of, vitam of vitamin D levels for dogs, for cats, and you're working with horses as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, that, that is true. Um, so vitamin D is like one of my most favorite topics. So, so when I was at Quest Diagnostics, um, I was in, this was like late 90s, uh, I was in charge of bringing, you know, advancing vitamin D on the human side. And I worked with the greats like Dr. Hollick, Dr. Hollis. Uh, these are some uh, really big people in the human vitamin D world. And, you know, I realized when I came to the veterinary side that vitamin D had a play. It, it, it had an importance because it's so huge on the human side. And so that's what you're right. We did a lot of these studies to demonstrate that um, not only is vitamin D important, but the fact that the levels that were in these pets were just woefully too low. You know, it's a big problem on the human side, you know, being vitamin D insufficient. And, and so one of the first tasks that we, we worked on was try to define insufficiency. You know, I mean, deficiency is easy. You do a normal population uh, reference interval study, and it's like those are the really low ones and normal ones. Uh, but insufficiency takes a lot more work, and that's why we worked uh, basically duplicating uh, the human studies to demonstrate what the insufficiency actually means uh, and how it relates actually to the innate immune response, which is really uh, the importance of everything. And so what we've, we've developed over the years is, is, yes, a very huge database, uh, both the cats, dogs, and horses. Um, and we do, I mean, I think I'm certain we're probably the number one testing facility for vitamin D these days, um, without a doubt. So um, how did you um, ascertain the reference range of normals for vitamin D? And is it the same for each species, or did you have to modify it based on the, the, the differences between the species? Yeah, well, it, it, you know, there's, in typical lab diagnostics, you do reference interval studies, and basically you just take a group of normal people or dogs or whatever the case may be, and you test it to standard deviations or whatever the case is, and you just cut it off. But that doesn't work when you're doing with dietary things. So like vitamin D, B12, uh, you know, magnesium, it, you cannot run a standard population reference interval study on that because it becomes a circular reference. Basically, you're testing whatever it is they're eating. And so that doesn't really tell you anything other than, you know, real deficiency. Um, so what we had to do is look at what we call surrogate markers. So in this particular case, in vitamin D, uh, we looked at inflammation because it has a, a huge role in the innate immune response. Uh, it is anti-inflammatory. Uh, we also looked at, of course, calcium because you got the calcium regulation piece, piece of it. Uh, we looked at uh, phosphorus as well. Uh, and so we, we looked at all of these equations as well as PTH. Uh, we measured PTH in all these patients because there's an inverse relationship between vitamin D and PTH. Uh, to come up to where you could define where sufficiency actually is when these other markers become what we would consider to be in their particular point of their reference intervals or where they're optimally uh, derived. And that's how we did it. So we had to do that with dogs. We had to do that with cats. And we had to do that with horses. And um, cats and dogs are, are, are very similar. Um, horses being an herbivore, very different. Herbivores uh, only get it from the sunlight and hence uh, their values tend to be, whether it's a horse or a chicken or whatever, uh, tend to be very different than carnivores. Uh, so it's, mm. I, it was a learning process for me because we're omnivores, right? So our levels are different than theirs. 
Uh, but mm. regardless, uh, that's how we had to come up with it. And so it was a lot of work, a lot of testing. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, that's how RX and, and VDI got together uh, was not only in, in, in that testing phase of it, but also to figure out how to supplement a lot of these patients uh, when they were found to be deficient or insufficient. Interesting information about the herbivore. Did you find in the horse, just for example, is that reference range a tad bit lower than? Oh, in, um... it's, it's way lower. Uh, yeah, it, it's, 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 uh, so in, in a dog, it's like a hundred nanograms per mil and a horse, uh, it drops down to like around, uh, 20. I mean, it, 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 wow. it, it's much, much lower, uh, uh, you know, even like alpacas and <laughs> we've tested a lot of different, uh, species and you'll see it. It's pretty consistent. Herbivores tend to be, uh, by and large, much lower than, um, omnivores or carnivores. Have you been able to correlate um, the levels of sufficiency, insufficiency, and deficiency in these herbivores and relate them to diseases yet? I no, mean, that's, that's, you did, a, you did not quite a, a bit of work that way in the dog, certainly, and we have that same work in the cat as well. Yeah, so that's you know these studies are a lot of work, as you can yeah, and cost as and well. And cost, yes. Uh, so um, we invested in the dog, we invested in the cat. Um, and, and, and as well as the horse, um, and the other observations are more just, you know, observational, uh, things that, because, you know, people send us all sorts of stuff and we get stuff from zoos, uh, we get them from everywhere. And that's why I know about some of these animals, uh, just because I see it. I mean, we've tested rabbits, uh, lizards. I mean, <laughs> we've tested all sorts of things. Well, fascinating. You're listening to Vet Talk with Dr. Rob Silver, sponsored by Rx Vitamins for Pets. I'm Dr. Silver, and I'm speaking today with Randy Ringgold, the uh, director of VDI Labs and a true expert on vitamin D in dogs and cats, and now I understand horses as well, and goats and, and pocket pits. So um, that's fascinating. Um, let's get back to the, uh, and that's interesting also about the, the sunlight um, factor, because that was news to me when I learned that dogs and cats do not convert um, through ultraviolet light. And I, I, I presented a few slides on that last night, that they that although they do have the 7-dehydro cholesterol in their skin, like all of us, they have an enzyme that actually degrades that um, precursor to vitamin D, um, precursor to cholecalciferol, which is a precursor to vitamin D, um, before the body's able to convert it. And yeah. I find that fascinating. And I'm trying to figure out, and I don't know if I'll ever come up with an answer, is, you know, what was, what's the, what's the, um, the evolutionary advantage for these carnivores to not be able to convert in sunlight vitamin D? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I mean, I can only theorize, <laughs> well, but you're, my, my you're theory good. is this, um, okay. is that uh, carnivores, you know, when they eat, let's say a rabbit or whatever the case may be, they eat the whole animal. I mean, you know, now today we, we give them very select pieces, <laughs> you know, some pet parents may even trim off the fat, but, but when you are eating that whole animal, uh, you're getting massive doses of a fat soluble vitamin. You've got to think about this for a second, but you're eating all this this adipose tissue, and it is fat soluble. There's a good store of it in the adipose tissue. And so these animals, when they have, uh, you know, these big meals of these animals, uh, space between events, they're getting huge doses of vitamin D that they then have to process, uh, which is why I don't, you don't see, and I see this all the time, you don't see acute vitamin D toxicity in these animals. I mean, uh, we've had many cases where they've 
you know, they downed a Costco bottle of uh, 5,000 IU uh, gel caps, you know, accidentally. And, you know, everybody's worried about it. And, and sure enough, the, 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 the animal changes its, its vitamin D regulatory mechanisms and is able to handle that quite well in an, an acute basis. Now, that doesn't apply for a chronic situation, but certainly an acute. And so I think from, a, from an evolutionary perspective, there's been no survival necessity for them to selectively, you know, have to maintain that uh, because uh, they weren't out there uh, eating grains or whatever, you know, they were eating animals and therefore whether one had the ability to convert another had not the ability to convert, it just sort of became immaterial. And I think just from over time, uh, that necessity from the sunlight generation of it must have just sort of, you know, went away. Uh, that, great, that's my great guess. Explanation. <laughs> great, ex- great explanation. It makes sense to me as well. And, you know, and I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking, you know, polar bear fat, it's got so much vitamin D in it. It's toxic. You know, you, if, if you're, if you kill a polar bear, which you shouldn't, of course, but if you're, you know, forced to survive or whatever, or you find one dead, don't eat the fat because you'll die from, um, hypervitaminosis D for sure. Possibly so, yeah. I've, well, I've heard of, I've actually heard of case studies where that, that was the case. In terms of the vitamin D dosing, um, and, and I think that your, your laboratory has, and you have developed this really um, very functional algorithm. You know, I get asked commonly, well, you know, what's the dosage for it? You know, give, can you just give this to me in migs per kg? And, and RX Vitamins has been very strong in recommending testing prior to treating. And um, I was wondering if you could explain, you know, your rationale in um, in how you are able to suggest a dosage and 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 what the endpoints are of your dosing strategy. Yeah, it's a good question. So when we first started, as you know, all we did is provide a test result like any laboratory, uh-huh. and then we got the questions. Well, what do I do with this? And so it's like. Oh, don't you know? (laughs) And so um, we started looking into it. And that's when we started our studies mutually between RX and and VDI to take a look Mm -hmm. at the dose response curve. Because I knew on the human side, having come from that, there is a dose response curve. And so it's not so simple. You know, the the simple way is per, you know, keg of body weight or whatever. But but that's, it's too simplistic, because you got to think about it. Let's say you have two uh, goldens, same weight, one starts at 20 nanograms, the other one starts at 80 nanograms. Well, their dosing is not the same because their need to get to 100 sufficiency is much higher in one versus the other. And so there's the, the algorithm that we have developed and it's gone through a few iterations, but now it's, it's actually quite complex. Uh, it, it obviously takes the test value from uh, what's your, where are you and where, where, where's goal, what's the target? And then it's the, what's the weight of the animal? What's the age of the animal? What's the sex of the animal? Little do people realize that when we spayed and neuter a, a, an animal, uh, reproductive hormones have an effect on vitamin D metabolism. Uh, uh, you, 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 you neuter a dog, a male dog, drops by 27%. That's a lot. And um, so we factor that in, we factor age. Of course, species, there's a difference between our equation is different than do- dogs and cats. Um, and there's even a factor which is not accounted for it yet, which has to do with corticosteroids and NSAIDs. Um, and that even gets more complicated, but the algorithm doesn't, doesn't quite take that into account. But we do on our report state that if you are giving the patient corticosteroids, you may need to up-regulate, up, up your dosage to compensate for what that effect has with the corticosteroids and the relationship between vitamin D and corticosteroids. 
you know, that brings me to another idea, another question here. There was a published study in Atopic Dogs that showed that the use of, that by um, achieving vitamin D sufficiency, they were able to reduce the levels of corticosteroids needed to control the pruritic symptoms. And that, that must speak to the same relationship that you're describing. It, it does indeed. Um, that, that study came off of other studies on the human side when they looked at asthmatic patients mm. uh, with the inherited corticosteroids, right? So it's well documented. You can go Google this, look at PubMed, you'll see it, that uh, vitamin D sufficiency is a factor in what they call steroid sparing effect, the re re reduction mm -hmm. of corticosteroids. And so that, that concept with you know, atopic dermatitis dogs, which is a big problem in dogs, is also similar. And, and, and the reason being is that, you know, both um, vitamin D and corticosteroids are both, uh, they, they're sort of in this nuclear receptor superfamily. So they basically have this shared uh, uh, receptor that goes into the nucleus, oh. and it's there where they actually work synergistically together in the decoding of the DNA. Uh, so that you actually, uh, when you are treating a patient with corticosteroids, you are actually upregulating the consumption of intracellular calcitriol. Uh. Um, so it, it, it gets quite complex, uh, but it's, 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 it's proven. And that's what leads to this thing called a steroid sparing effect. So if you upregulate uh, or increase vitamin D sufficiency, you're, you're, you're decreasing the need for your corticosteroids. Before we continue, we're going to take a quick break with a word from our sponsor, RX Vitamins for Pets. You're listening to Vet Talk with Dr. Silver. Hey, we'll be right back. When treating kidney disease in cats, many times the recommended supplements have a bitter taste that cats will not accept. RX Vitamins for Pets introduces RX Renal Feline Beadlets, a formula that utilizes an innovative technology that encapsulates the ingredients inside tiny beadlets. These beadlets give the beneficial nutrients and botanical extracts a completely bland taste, making the formula much more acceptable to cats. To learn more about RX Renal Feline Beadlets, go to rxvitamins.com or call 1-800-792-2222. Welcome back. And a big thank you goes to RX Vitamins for Pets for sponsoring this show. This is Vet Talk with Dr. Silver, and I'm Dr. Silver, and I'm speaking today with Randy Ringgold. So speaking of other nutrients that might interfere with um, vitamin D metabolism, recently you've been talking about the, um, the role that magnesium plays as a cofactor in, um, in vitamin D. How did you determine that? Well, we uh, collectively, you know, when we see uh, between Rx as a supplement and we're dosing these animals, there's been situations where you, you supplement the animal and you don't get what is known as the dose response. You know, you, you give some D3 supplement and you don't see an appropriate response. And that always bugged me. You know, why are these certain subset of dogs and cats not responding? Um, so again, you know, I started calling now uh, looking at the, the human literature and I found that magnesium plays a role. And if you actually go through all the hydroxylation steps of D3 to 25D to calcitriol, uh, magnesium is a, is a cofactor uh, for that enzymatic step. It's like grease, uh, if you will, to help facilitate the transaction. And, it, and, and magnesium uh, is, 
it actually has an impact throughout every enzymatic transaction in the, in the bodies, which is why it's so vital. Um, and when you have low stores of it, it's, it's the whole enzymatic rate reaction equation. You know, you've got, you've got substrate, you've got product. And so if you're giving D3 and you're trying to generate 25D or calcitriol, that's the product you need. And if you've got limited magnesium, then what you're doing is you're limiting the, the enzymatic transition. And so we started looking at that. We did some studies uh, looking at the relationship between vitamin D deficient uh, dogs and dogs that are vitamin D sufficient. And sure enough, uh, there it is, the same as on the human side, ma magnesium insufficiency can lead to vitamin D insufficiency. So it's actually quite interesting how these things are actually related. So um, is there a reference range for magnesium or do you just want to get magnesium within the normal reference range in terms of your dosing? Because the, dose, the dosing for magnesium is probably not strictly a mix per kg either because it's dependent upon diet and metabolism and everything else. Yeah, it, it, it's very complex. But the, yeah. you know, magnesium testing has been in a typical chem panel forever. Um, uh, but if you look at the range, it's, it's pretty wide. And so we determined that the low normal uh, is, is actually not a good place to be. You need to be higher. And we will soon be coming out. So, you know, just like vitamin D, the vast majority of magnesium is not in serum. The vast majority of it is intracellular and inside the bones. And so the body works really hard to keep serum levels stable. So what we have discovered is if you actually measure the, red, the magnesium in red cells, so intracellular magnesium, it's a much better metric and we'll soon be coming out with an RBC magnesium test that should um, be able to much better measure ma uh, magnesium stores within the body uh, than looking at serum magnesium. But, but even at serum magnesium, when it's low, and you'll be surprised, low normal, they're, they're actually really low. Um, you, you need to supplement them uh, to get their magnesium levels up or change their diet. You know, obviously, a lot of this stuff is diet related. Right. Um, just to our listeners, um, Randy's um, audio signal f from time to time gets a little bit funny, but so far there's been no content that I feel has really been lost, or I would ask him to repeat that. Um, Randy, you've been really, and, and speaking about testing for magnesium, about the red blood cell testing, um, I'm really, um, I, since you've come out with this new test kit that you have, that's a, you call it a wet test kit where you drop some serum onto it. You've, you have mentioned to me that you are coming out with a whole blood test kit or one in which instead of um, just spinning it, you can just put the whole blood on it and, and you can run your tests in that fashion. Will you, um, can you talk a little bit about this, this new multi-purpose test kit? Because with RX vitamins, you know, we, we brand your vitamin D test kit, but it's the same test kit, which this means that that a that someone who who gets the te your test kit through RX Vitamins could also ask for other tests to be run in that same test kit. Is that true? And will this new um, whole blood test kit um, remove the need for the for the prior test kit? Um, tell, tell us a little bit about what you have now and what we can look forward to in the future. Yeah. So and, you know, and also, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt. And, and, all, and one more question on that is, and and how does a, the veterinarian who has a test kit from RX Vitamins, how do they designate they'd like to have uh, some more tests? run yeah so we invented a dry serum test kit uh, which is what rx vitamins and vdi ob obviously carries and provides you know logistics is a huge part of lab diagnostics uh, especially people that are out in the rural areas 
Uh, they know that, you know, the, the courier doesn't always come by. You know, you're using FedEx and things like that nature. It gets quite expensive. So we came up with a methodology that allows it to, to be very stable, dry. There's no refrigeration, no gel packs. Uh, you don't have to overnight it. Stable for up to 21 days at ambient temperature. Um, we even get samples from Korea now. Uh, it's, it's so stable. And so this little kit, is, is what the RX kit is, is also capable of, is, is serum-based. So it allows a wide variety of different tests, not just vitamin D, but we have cancer panels and inflammation tests and a lot of other different things that can be ordered. Uh, and it's on the requisition. So if you do order a uh, vitamin D kit from RX Vitamins, you will be able to order a vast array of other services uh, besides just vitamin D uh, from, from VDI using that test kit. Uh, but we have gotten requests uh, for whole blood for mobile vets. Uh, we have also have a need for whole blood because, as I just said, we're going to be doing RBC magnesium. I need whole blood. Uh, we're going to be doing soon hemoglobin A1C. I need whole blood. It, which should be out in the next uh, few months, uh, will allow for either serum or whole blood uh, to be added to the kit uh, depending upon the needs of the veterinarian uh, at that particular time. So it'll be quite flexible uh, in that regard. And then, of course, as the new kit comes out, uh, the old kits are still very valid, uh, but they will eventually be probably phased out. Hmm. So um, for someone who is getting the Arx Vitamins branded vitamin D test kit, um, they prepaid for that. They prepaid for the um, the vitamin D testing. Um, how does that work if they wanted to order a different test or I mean an, an additional test or what if they wanted to not do the vitamin D testing but a different test on that is that something that's possible I, I yeah so on the test requisition it's a bit confusing form, <laughs> on the test requisition form from RX you have a choice of being able to run like vitamin D B12 uh, a CRP assay or a feline haptoglobin test uh, as part of your prepaid tests. So that just, you just select it. So if you don't want to run vitamin D, you can run one of the others. Uh, in addition, if you want to run additional tests, like let's say with vitamin D, you want to run our cancer screen, you just check that off and then you would be uh, billed accordingly from VDI uh, for that particular service. Uh, so it, 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 it's a separate transaction uh, based upon whatever your needs are. So the, so the test kit from RX is very, very flexible uh, to offer a wide variety of services uh, in addition to vitamin D testing. Well, I'm really impressed with how, you're, how you've grown. I mean, you know, you've just listed a few, you know, very valuable tests, and, and yet I know that you are offering even more. I think now you're actually offering chem panels, and, and you got your start with the cancer markers, and I, and I know I just recently was on a thread where um, they were talking about how, you know, how they wanted to be able to differentiate between IBD and small cell lymphoma in the cat non-invasively. Um, I don't know really where to start as far as asking about all the different test kits. Why don't you take, why don't you choose and talk about the, the, the tests that are, seem to be most popular and perhaps most valuable clinically. I'll let you kind of take it off here. Yeah, that, that's fine. I'll just sort of hit the highlights. We, we are offering an expanded array of things and I'm not going to cover everything, but I would say some of the more popular ones are uh, cancer screening, uh, whether it be a dog or a cat, uh, screening for uh, a, a, either occult disease or you have an acutely ill animal, uh, you can certainly look for cancer. The biggest 
issue and you mentioned about felines, I mean, the number one re reason veterinarians see uh, a feline patient has to do with GI issues, you know, I mean, they're either diarrhea or whatever the problem is. And that has to do with, you know, chronic IBD, which eventually leads to uh, intestinal lymphoma. So we developed a very specific cancer panel to help differentiate between a normal cat, a cat with inflammatory bowel disease, and a cat that has uh, intestinal lymphoma using uh, advanced biomarkers. In this case, uh, we're using an inflammation marker called feline haptoglobin. We're using a cancer marker called thymidine kinase type 1. And then, of course, we're measuring B12 and folate, which are common problems in GI-related patients. Um, we uh, Inflammation tests, canine CRP and feline haptoglobin are huge now uh, for occult screening of the apparently healthy animal. Uh, you'll be surprised how many of these, quote, apparently healthy animals actually have harboring uh, uh, levels of inflammation. That means that they've got some kind of uh, inflammatory disease that's uh, just not apparent. And so these tests are becoming quite uh, popular. And then uh, lastly, we've come out with uh, a, a test called hyaluronic acid for degenerative joint disease. That's actually becoming very popular in the early detection of patients that might have some kind of, uh, uh, you know, whether it be osteoarthritis or other kinds of degenerative joint disease where you can get an early uh, uh, gauge on it before it actually starts showing clinically in lameness or other issues so that you can start, you know, giving appropriate therapy uh, to help slow down the progression of that disease. And so that's become uh, very popular as well. Yeah, one of the things I, I teach about the value of nutraceuticals is that exactly, that if you have early detection of a disease, you can be proactive. For instance, if you did wind up thinking that you had the potential for osteoarthritis to develop, then looking at, you know, adding some nutraceuticals that would be supportive of joint health, such as uh, glucosamine, chondroitin, so on and so forth, um, makes a lot of sense. And it's to be able to test for that, you know, is, is brilliant. It really is. And... Um, Especially these days, I think, you know, with COVID, more and more veterinarians are using testing um, because they don't get as much of that face-to-face, back-and-forth history-taking and, and so on, you know, with the client there actually in the room with them. And, and that's got to be good in general for the diagnostics in the diagnostic industry. Um, let me take a little break here for a second and uh, just let people know that we're listening to Vet Talk with Dr. Rob Silver, that's me, sponsored by RX Vitamins for Pets. And this is Randy Ringold of VDI Labs we're talking to. And Randy, you, you're just a, a wealth of information. Um, what you, you talked about some tests that are coming up. Um, are there? Uh, give us some previews as far as what more things we can look forward to from VDI Labs and, and um, let us give us some contact information so that if people want to peruse your website or talk with someone directly about, um, you know, about the capabilities of tests, you know, how do they go there? And we'll, we'll include some of that information um, also on the, uh, on the podcast um, promo as well. Sure. I'd be happy mm -hmm. to, you know, so sure. with our platform, we're able to offer a wider range of specialty and I would say synergistic routine stuff. Um, so our, our, our focus has mostly been around inflammatory diseases. Uh, we started off with that NT-Pro-B and P test for, for cardiac, and then we've now expanded into uh, cancer, inflammatory, osteoarthritis, and so on. Um, so where I would say we are heading right now is we are soon going to be coming out with vitamin C 
Now, um, vitamin C, of course, is uh, another vitamin. Uh, it, there's actually studies now that are showing that it, it's, it's something that actually might be good for uh, monitoring for sufficiency. But there's actually a bigger need. I noticed that you had a Dr. Pope on one of your uh, podcasts, and uh, you know they're using now uh, vitamin C for uh, cancer therapy. They raise the levels up uh, quite high, and that way it helps to uh, selectively kill off the cancer cells because they can't manage the glucose metabolism similarly as normal cells. And so it's important in these cases to measure vitamin C levels from a therapeutic perspective and from an oncology perspective. And so we are coming out since we are a, you know, we are a cancer company. Uh, we are coming out with vitamin C very soon, probably next month in March uh, will be available. Um, additionally, uh, we talked about the RBC magnesium test. I think this is going to be a game changer for magnesium. Serum magnesiums have some inherent problems. Uh, so measuring RBC magnesium in a very easy, cost-effective way, I think, will be very valuable uh, for many veterinarians in the management of their patients. Um, we've talked about uh, hemoglobin A1C because now diabetes is an area we want to get into. And there's a relationship, I would add, between magnesium and diabetes. You might say, oh, how's, how's this relationship? <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um, Magnesium is required for the ATP cycle, all right? And the ATP cycle is required for the hormones to actually work. And so you get this concept known as insulin resistance because the receptor doesn't work when the insulin actually hits the receptor. And so you end up with insulin resistance, which then leads to type 2 diabetes. And this is becoming a huge issue on the human side. And so we're going to start looking at this deeply on the veterinary sides, particularly with some of these cats. These older cats that get diabetes, I believe magnesium insufficiency is leading to this problem. And so we're coming out with hemoglobin A1C and RBC magnesium and insulin testing to be able to help manage these patients in a more uh, proper way. Um, also, um, salivary cortisol. And so we are going to be looking at helping to manage the, the, the you know, when we're looking at Cushing's or Addison's disease to take a look at uh, the, 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 the cycle, because it, it, it varies from morning, evening, and night. And there's no way for a veterinarian to actually be able to look at that properly. So we'll be having a at-home collection kit uh, that the veterinarian can give the pet owner to actually obtain a salivary sample that will be able to then be tested. So we'll actually be able to get a much better handle on the endocrine function here. So our goal as a company is to really, as we said from the beginning here, is to provide more advanced diagnostics to give the veterinarians better tools for their help manage those patients. Uh, as you know, pet ownership, even with this pandemic, has only grown tremendously. And I can see that having better tools uh, is, I think, important and what I'm trying to do. Well, kudos to you because it, it does appear as though you have achieved that goal or are in a constant process of achieving that goal. Randy, I really appreciate your time um, this afternoon. So if people want to reach you on the web, they can, um, they can type in www.vdilabsingular.com, correct? No, that, that and is correct. And 
And from that, they can get contact numbers. They can talk with you on the phone. I've always found every time I've called the lab to, that your, your support staff has been extremely helpful and, and, and able to get right back to me. So um, I hope that, um, and so I, so customer service, you know, I mean, it's good if you've got a great product, but if you don't have good customer service, who cares, you know? So anyway, so thank you again, Randy, for today. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Vet Talk with Dr. Silver has been sponsored by RX Vitamins for Pets. You can learn more by visiting rxvitamins.com or give them a call at 1-800-792-2222.